As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the home group tonight. My name is Paul Renner, and on behalf of my father, Rick Renner, I will be leading the home group tonight. Thank you for joining us. Along with me here in the studio today is my mother, Denise, and my brother, Joel. Paul, it is so good to be with you, and thank you for leading home group while Dad's not with us. You're doing an exceptional job. You are, Paul. Well, it's a lot of fun to be on the home group with you. Oh, I'm having a blast being with you and with you, Joel. Oh, thank you. And home group, we really enjoy being with you. People from all over the world love to study the Bible with us, and it's an honor for us to study the Bible with you. Really, it is. Please comment in the comments section. Let us know you're there. We love to read your comments. Share this video with more people. You know, Jesus is coming back soon, and it's so very vital that as many people as possible hear about this wonderful, wonderful testimony. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for us. And that is just wonderful, isn't it, Mama? Oh, that's the best news ever. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that when we meditate on that, it has a purifying on our heart and draws us closer to Him. And I just want to say that, I mean, we're looking at you through this technology, but the Bible says that we're two or more are gathered together in his name. We're definitely gathered together in his name. There he is, his power, his person, his character right here in the very middle of us. So expect something Expect him to touch your heart. We, we actually talked about why pe more people come to church on Easter and Christmas and perhaps some other church holidays, significant dates, than other days. Well, it'd be great if just as many people came to church every week. That's right. But some people choose to come to church on specific days, and that is good that they choose to come to church. It'd be better if they came to church every week. But we need to use every opportunity that the Lord has given us yes. to preach to people. And if we're talking about the victory of Jesus over death, this is a great opportunity to talk about the fact that Jesus gives you victory over death through his own death and resurrection. And I also want to encourage you, pray for your pastor this week. This is one of the biggest opportunities your pastor will have to speak to people who are interested in Christ. So many people come to church on Easter Sunday. Please pray for your pastor that he'll have the right word for the people to hear the wonderful news of our Savior. I've, I've heard testimonies of people who said, I got saved on Easter because somebody invited me to church. Or I got saved on Christmas because somebody invited me to church. So like, like the boy said, take this opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. Think about a person that you want to invite this this weekend and really all they can say is no but if you don't ask you'll never know what their answer was mm -hmm. so i'm encouraging you ask mm -hmm. invite amen you'll need the study guide today because we'll be following along the daily programs that my father filmed the stand-ups for in jerusalem and specifically the stand-ups for the programs this week were filmed in the holy sepulcher oh, what is beautiful. the holy sepulcher oh paul they were just beautiful i know you're going to tell us what the holy sepulcher is but i have to tell you when you watch the daily tv program where dad opens the program in this location it is amazing he got to film in the tomb, that's what the whole, that's what the sepulcher is. Yes. He got the film in the tomb. That is so rare. And you can see what it's like in there. What does it look like? The history around the, the facility. 
pro it is really amazing. The only other footage from inside the tomb that I've ever seen was from a Discovery Channel uh, special that they did when they were renovating the Holy Sepulchre itself, wow. the specific place where Jesus laid or where they buried him. Now, of course, today, when you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, it doesn't look like the hill of Golgotha. It doesn't look like the place where Jesus was on the cross and then buried in a cave nearby. You, it's really hard to see that yeah. because... There's been so many reconstructions over the years and also because piece by piece, the mountain itself or the hill that Jesus was uh, crucified on and buried in was actually piece by piece taken to Europe. And it's not far from the uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa today, the actual ground, the actual mound itself was actually taken apart piece by piece and took into uh, Italy so that the rich people of the day then could be buried in the exact same ground that Jesus was buried in. So today, when you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, you can't actually see the mountain or hill that happened because of all the reconstructions that happened over the years, and of course because of pilgrimages, and because, you know, everyone wanted a little bit of peace of the spot. But it is actually the spot, and that's important, because sometimes we talk about... Uh, Jesus, as if he was a mythical, uh, mythical uh, something that you know, never actually happened, or maybe it happened, but it doesn't really have any implication for us today. It's very important to understand that when we talk about the life of Jesus, you can actually go to the place he was crucified. You can go to the place he was buried. And that is important because it proves that everything that we read about in the Gospels actually happened. Oh, it's so powerful. You know, there's a there's this one place in the Church of the Holy Sep Sepulchre that I it's my favorite actually. And it's where it's where they say that Jesus actually died hmm. and that his blood actually came down and underneath that is the skull of Adam or was the skull of Adam was the skull of Adam it's where Adam died and uh you know we we're in Russia and so we're around the orthodox church we've seen many many paintings that the orthodox have painted over the centuries and they always had a skull mm -hmm. underneath the cross mm -hmm. well i always thought oh well that means that Jesus is is victorious over death. Okay, hold on. You're getting a little bit ahead. Matthew chapter 27, <laughs> verses 32 and 33. Okay. And they came out, and they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, <laughs> and they compelled him to bear his cross. So Simon actually got to carry Jesus' cross. Wow. And when they were come to the place called Golgotha, that is said, a place of, of a skull. So when they buried, when they, Jesus was crucified at Golgotha, Golgotha actually meant the place of the skull, and it was called the place of the skull because that is thought to be the place where Adam was buried. And so when you go into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there's the place that they say that Jesus' blood came down upon uh, the skull of Adam. And it's you know it's the it's the um, second man overcame the first man, mm -hmm. and uh, he 
He redeemed mankind and everything that Adam stands for. Jesus' blood, praise God, has touched and redeemed and delivered. And that blood's still working today. It's as powerful today. That blood is as still powerful today as it was when it was pouring off of Jesus' body. Amen. And we know that Jesus went through all of this voluntarily. He did this for you. And in the middle of the process of most crucifixions, there were some women them, that were attempting to help those people who were experiencing excruciating pain that would give them something to drink that it was essentially a painkiller. And we read about this in Matthew chapter 27, verses 34 and 35. And they gave him vinegar to drink, to drink mixed with gall. And when he had tasted, therefore, he would not drink, and they crucified him. They offered him a painkiller. They offered him a way out. Jesus had the opportunity to experience the crucifixion without experiencing all of the pain involved in it. But he said no. He said no, this, I'm not looking for an easy way out. I'm, I'm not going to skip any part of this process. Jesus voluntarily took upon himself the sins of the world. The, he took upon himself our, he, our, our, our sicknesses so that we could be healed. And when he had the opportunity, a very logical thing to do, these were very probably very nice women thinking about how they could help or relieve the suffering of those people that were experiencing such pain. He said, no. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. He did not look for an easy way out. Once again, pointing out that Jesus did this for us. He wasn't doing, this wasn't something done to him. This was something he did for us. He did the complete action to completely deliver us. I don't know if you've ever been in excruciating pain or you've seen someone suffering in pain or you've seen someone suffer in mental torment or anguish. Jesus was bearing that on the cross. He did not want us to be tortured by pain or tormented by fear or tormented by our mind being bombarded by, by uh, rejection and hate and anger. He took it all on himself. And Paul, I just wanted to read a little bit out of, of um, Rick's book, Paid in Full, that describes to us more about the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And it says, uh, in order for the victim to breathe, mm -hmm. he had to push himself up by his feet, which were nailed to the ver vertical beam. However, because the pressure on his feet became unbearable, it wasn't possible for him to remain long in this position. So eventually he would collapse back into the hanging position. As the victim pushed up and collapsed back down again and again over the long period of time, his shoulders eventually dislocated and popped out of joint. I mean, have, has your joint ever been an, out of joint? It, it is so painful. Soon the out-of-joint soldiers 
so sh shoulders were followed by the elbows and wrist. These various dislocations caused the arms to be extended up to nine inches longer than usual, resulting in terrible cramps in the victim's arm muscles and making it impossible for him to push himself upward any longer to breathe. When he was finally too exhausted and could no longer push himself upward on the nail lodged on his feet, the process of asphyxiation began. Mm -hmm. In Sparkling Gems, April 24th, I like the questions at the end of the book. Uh, at the end of each chapter, uh, my father asks, How long has it been since you've really looked at the cross and considered what Jesus did for you on Calvary? When we look at crosses today, they're also beautiful. They're also ornate. Some of them are very simplistic. Some of them are very decorated. Some of them are extremely decorated. But when we look at crosses today, sometimes... We see a piece of jewelry, but so rarely do we actually imagine what actually happened during the crucifixion, what actually happened when people were crucified on the cross. Now, of course, I understand what the cross symbolizes for each of us today. It symbolizes a way for us to have fellowship with God because our sin divided us from God. Jesus became the bridge between us and our fallen state and fellowship with God. He paid the price for our sin. I understand what the cross symbolizes for each of us. But when we look at the cross, what, what are you actually seeing when you wear it on your neck? And so many people wear it on their neck as a reminder that they're saved or, they've, or that they've been baptized. Some people wear it as earrings. Some people even tattoo it on their arm. Some people, you know, have it on their shirts. But when you look at the cross, what are you actually looking at? What are you actually seeing when you look at the cross? And just as communion, we talked yesterday about communion. Just same thing is that goes along with communion. When we take communion, it's so easy to not pay attention to the meaning of the blood, to the meaning of the bread, because it's all so well packaged. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with, with good packaging. But it's important for us to get beyond the packaging and look at the meaning of what actually happened on the cross so that when we celebrate Easter, or so that when we think about coming to the cross, the place of redemption, coming to the, the cross, the place where Jesus paid the price for our sins, our transgressions, our crimes against God that we no possible way could have ever paid ourselves, so that when we come to the cross or when we come to those moments when we see something that reminds us of Easter and of what God did for us, we look beyond the packaging and begin to look at actually what happened there and remember what happened there. That's why I'm so grateful for movies like The Passion. And I've even sat down with my children to watch The Passion, and it was uncomfortable. Uh, they, they didn't want to watch The Passion. Uh, and that's understandable because it's painful uh, it's, uh, it, it, it causes you to reflect upon, upon your own state. And it's, it's a painful process to do that. But it's important. And it's important to sing about the cross. It's important to talk about the cross. It's, it's important to read verses about the cross. It's important 
to remember. So when you're remembering right now, as you're preparing for Easter, please go beyond the package. Go beyond the religious, beautiful package that's available. Look into the meaning. The cross is a sign of what Jesus did for us. Mm-hmm. You know, in the ancient world, Paul, I don't believe that people wore around a cross as a decorative designer item. It wasn't anything like that. People understood what the cross meant in that world, and they didn't have any connection to Jesus. Would you want to wear maybe something with an electric chair on your on your neck? <laughs> on but your I want to read something from the study guide. The word crucifixion was taken from the Greek word strauss which described an upright pointed stake that was used for the punishment of criminals. Historically, only criminals were crucified. This confirms Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, which stated that Jesus would die as a criminal. The word crucified was also used to describe those who were hung up, impaled, and beheaded, and then publicly displayed. It was also used in connection with public executions. And the purpose of the execution was to humiliate the person being crucified. Crucifixion was one of the cruelest and most barbaric forms of punishment in the ancient world. Josephus described crucifixion as the most wrenching of all deaths. The crucifixion was not something to wear as a designer item. It was, it was only to describe just torture. And Jesus went through that for us. And we are so grateful for our salvation. Amen. Amen. You know, the, the Bible says that Jesus that they hung naked on the cross. He was shame in front of his own mother. It was, he was there. And, and it, you know, if somebody shamed you, if you've had shame come in your life, it's, it's really from the devil. It, he, he just comes and says, you're no good. This has happened to you. You'll never get out of this. It's like he presses his thumb down on you. But you see, it says in Isaiah 53 that that he was smitten by God and afflicted. And those words are like when somebody puts their foot on a cigarette and smashes that cigarette. That's what that means. He was smitten by God. And God, God crushed Jesus. For you and for you not to have any kind of shame upon you. Shame is a thief. Shame is a lie that says you're not good enough or you're not as good as everybody else or you'll never be like somebody else or you'll never be good or you'll never succeed. Shame is something that puts you down. But Jesus was shamed on that cross. And it was for you. And it was for me. And and Paul, I want to, to, to say that, you know, people might forget to think about the cross. They might not want to look at the passion. They might not want to think about the blood. But Jesus, in his resurrected body, showed the disciples the holes mm-hmm. in his hands and the hole in his side, Mm -hmm. in his resurrected body. Jesus remembers about the blood. Mm -hmm. The blood's still speaking right now Mm -hmm. of our deliverance, of our salvation, of anybody who calls on the name of the Lord. The blood is the saving blood. It's still working today. Amen. And even when Jesus was on the cross, he had the 
the the state of mind mm. and the love mm. to say, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's right. That that's amazing to me because someone experiencing so much pain. Mm. Uh, if you've ever had, if you've ever experienced any type of pain, mm. or if it was anything close to what Jesus experienced, you're probably not thinking about other people at that moment. You know I mean, other people were probably not on your mind. You you were probably thinking about how to get through whatever you were experiencing at that moment. That's true. But even when Jesus was experiencing more pain than most people have ever experienced, he had you on his mind. He had the people that were doing this to him on his mind. And he was able to say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. If he was able to do that in that state, of course, Jesus is our example. Then whenever someone does something to us, our first go-to state of mind should be, if they really knew what they were doing, they probably wouldn't be doing it to me. If they really knew what their words and actions did to me, or how their words and actions are reflecting on me, they probably wouldn't be doing this. So I'm going to forgive them now, and I'm not going to hold it against them because I don't think that they would be doing this if they actually knew what it was doing. Jesus was able to do that. And of course, because he lives in us, we're also able to do that. When you experience pain, when you experience betrayal, when you experience something humiliating, because Jesus is in you, you also have the power, the love, the state of mind to say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. If they really knew what this was doing to me, they wouldn't be doing it. So I forgive them. Amen. Amen. Because the love of God says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the love of God, the very love of God that we're talking about, this amazing display of God's love, that love, that very love, the Bible says when we got born again, it was spread all over our heart by the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. So we have the love of God. God's not unfair that he would ask you to forgive and not give you the equipment to do it. He has given us the very equipment that we need to extend forgiveness to whoever and whatever our offender did. He's given us the equipment to forgive them. And that is his love that's inside of us. Mm-hmm. Amen. If you have not downloaded the study guide yet, please go to renner.org to download the study guide. Also, you can send us your prayer request. We will be praying for you. And join us tomorrow because tomorrow we're going to continue to talk about Easter and what God did for us. Yes, Mama? Mm-hmm. Paul, I think we should pray. Let's pray. And um, agree with you, home group. If there's somebody that you need to forgive, you can set them free right now. And you can be set free. And so we're going to pray right now. Father, we agree with our home group right now that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And by our own will and by faith right now, we release that person from what they did to us. We release them right now in the name of Jesus. 
Father, your word says they didn't know what they were doing. And so we forgive them now in the name of Jesus. We let them go. We thank you, Father, for the love of God acting in our heart to do this. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 See you tomorrow as we continue to talk about Easter. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.